On this week's episode of Interview with an Improviser, I interview Rachel Ware. She's an improviser and stand-up comedian, as well as co-owner of the Backline Comedy Theater. Our featured improvisers this episode are Ariel Sinha, Anthony Maynard, Andrew Newton, Price Comstock, John Herman, and Matt Johnson. Enjoy. All right. Uh, so this is our first time ever. Thank you for doing this. Yep. Uh, this is Rachel Ware. She is a co-owner here at Backline. Uh, you started doing improv because uh, of a workshop I taught. It did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what had happened was I was 19 years old and I was a theater major at Wayne State College. And because I was a theater major, we were forced to take an improv intensive that was coming through for the weekend because some great guy from UCB and IO is coming to open a theater in Omaha. I couldn't give two shits about it. Uh, And so we were forced, and basically what it was is, what I now know is our level one, which usually lasts seven weeks, and it was crammed into a Saturday and a Sunday, I think, just all day long. Mm -hmm. So we started, we learned what improv was on Saturday morning, and then by Sunday night we were giving our performance, um, which no one wanted to do. I don't think anyone, there's eight of us maybe, not a single one of us wanted to do anything. Um, So (laughs) we... (laughs) That was a rough rough weekend. (laughs) It was, yeah. (laughs) And so uh, after the class, uh, Dylan Rohde, who taught the class, uh, approached me. That's you. It is me. (laughs) uh, Well, you came up to me and was like, uh, at the time I was planning on moving to Omaha after that semester was over. It was the uh, spring semester. And you said, hey, you have your kind of a natural at this uh you should email me and take a class down at backline and I was like yeah sure and I was like nah no way I didn't want to uh <laughs> I hated it and um oh that's very true I, I you, can't stress that enough like you had also had a good amount of the people in the class were kind of rough especially because we had a short amount of time and you were you had blamed it all on yourself for the scenes going poorly uh, Which is something I still do. Still do. <laughs> uh, but you were doing, you did great, and I see that from time to time. But you were, you're really beating yourself up for it. Um, super awesome, just right off the bat. Uh, but you didn't want to believe it mm-hmm. until you took, you finally a year later took a level one. Yeah, and I, I want everyone else to know that you emailed me once a month <laughs> for a whole year <laughs> until finally you go, you don't have to pay full price for the class. <laughs> I'll do it. Mostly because I did, I was switching jobs from working like over 40 hours a week to like maybe 15 a week. And so I wanted to occupy my time doing something. And even during level one, I still, I still didn't like it really. Really? Uh, Yeah. No, it wasn't until, it wasn't until uh, the performance that we did when I graduated where I was like, oh, like getting laughed at was like, yeah, I like this. I like this part. I love praise. Yeah, you do. I love praise. And I was like, oh, I can get praise without preparing for it. Like, I just need to show up and people, people like that. So that's, yeah. And then, yeah, from then on, my class was big enough. We kind of joined with the first generation, or maybe not first generation, but another level one that happened. So I was able to do all five of the classes in a year. 
Yeah, that was a really great class that you joined into as well. Mm -hmm. Really great is Tracy and Justin Johnson. Absolutely. Well, majority of people who are still here who perform every night. Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. Uh, so what's, what's something that you feel, um, besides just the praise, helped you, made you want to keep doing it? Um, I think it was the fact that, like, just the slow realization of, like, I can be funny was really addicting because uh, growing up, like, I always really wanted to be the class clown but wasn't. I was just too quiet, never really spoke out, and I just, like, I, I love having attention and just knowing it's nice to kind of mold an audience into, like, hey, join me on this weird adventure and, and have fun with me. I really like that. I like making people laugh, I guess. Realizing that I can make people laugh is cool. Uh, uh, when you would started hanging out around here, I was introduced to some of your high school friends who all referred to you as the not funny one. Yeah. <laughs> they were, the first time I brought in the back line, they were blown away that people <laughs> liked me. Like, they were shocked. And I think even once one of my best friends, Derek, made a joke about me, like making fun of me. To not, that, as if you weren't funny. Yeah, and like no one responded to him. And he's like, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> Why do they think you're funny? Yeah, I just, I think more so I was the person in my group of friends growing up that could take a joke. Like a lot of my other friends, if you joked about them or get very upset and hold grudges. And I was one where you could say very mean things too. And I just like kind of let it roll like, oh, okay. Unless you personally know you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, uh, let's talk a little bit more about your friends. So you were not the class clown or the, like the, the comedian in your friends. Mm -mm. Uh, has that changed? Do you feel now? Do they look to you to expect the jokes? No. Still not? No. I mean, even I, I think I'm funnier now and I think it's more of a, they will not acknowledge that. Like they're very stubborn and being like, nope, you're stupid. I think, it, <laughs> I think it, it's, it helps to know three of my three top best friends are all guys. So, uh, I don't usually, their humor, I think I'm the crudest out of all of them. It, yeah. And, you know, when I start making smart jokes, like, I don't, I wouldn't say I play crude on stage when it comes to improv. And I think when, you know, I start making smarter jokes, they also won't respect that. So I think I'm just, I think I'm just deemed not funny by them. They don't want, they don't want me to be funny. That's fine. Yeah. Even though they come to shows. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, what about, um, what's a good improv scene that you remember uh, in, in like the beginning, like when you had first started off that you finally felt like, oh, I got this? Uh, I vividly remember it it was in my level one graduation show and I remember it was like the first big laugh that I got where I realized this like I knew why it was funny uh it was me and another person on the stage and the premise was is I owned a 
I owned a baby store, like a baby R us or something yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> really grounded, super, yeah, super right. relatable. Uh, I was the owner of a baby store, and he was a customer that came in, and we found out that I hated babies. Like I owned this baby store, but I I hated children. And uh, my scene partner goes, "Oh, you must have had a rough childhood." And I had responded, "Yes." Right when I was very young, old enough to walk, my mother bundled me up and left me on someone's doorstep to like, they were going to take care of me. Like she abandoned me. And he goes, oh, that must be why you hate children. And I said, no, that's why I hate my mother. (laughs) And I remember saying it and being like, this is a joke that I just made up. And like, and and then getting a response from it was just like, (laughs) yeah, it felt good. So that was, yeah. And I, I remember that one perfectly. Great. Uh, You, um, speaking of, I guess, uh, jobs and all that you, before doing this, you were into photography a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, a few other things, but photography was one of the main things. Mm -hmm. Do you have any good, uh, you had worked at a photography place. Do you have any good stories on that? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> what was it called? Innovative? Uh, portrait Innovations. So not so uh, the deal about Portrait Innovations is a monkey can shoot those photos. It's more of like a sales job. Uh, and I was just... I was just as awful at selling things as I was taking pictures of things. So it was just like a bad job for me. But the worst part about that job was just the families that would come in. Portrait Innovations is unique to other portrait studios because you get the pictures the same day. And besides that, there's always a special that for $10, you can get 40 pictures. But it's of the same (laughs) pose. And And you can get it as many times as you want. So when you start thinking about it, if you, like, need your kid's picture or something, you're coming in and paying $10 and leaving with all those photos. But as a salesperson, I have to have a sales quota of at least $110. So it just was super <laughs> shitty to like sell these crappy families, these crappy photos, <laughs> not believing in myself. I don't believe in the photos and just the type of family that came in was awful. What's, uh, what made them awful? Uh, so for instance, there was a, there is a, a lady and her daughter and the lady's mom who would come in once a month and the mom clearly on drugs. I mean, just, I, I don't mean that to be funny. Like, it's kind of sad. Like, just, just. Like pills or like meth? It felt like meth. Like, just crazy, itchy, like, be, dead behind the eyes sort of thing. And it sucked knowing that, like, she was spending money on photos when she should have been spending money on maybe, like, food or something and then also knowing that it's like I know you're fucked up and I'm sending you away with this kid like it, it really sucked to see like broken families come in and you'd be like have a nice day like because especially on pic- I don't know if you've ever gotten like family pictures taken but it's the worst day ever like everyone's you know worried about how they look like and it's like oh we need a picture with grandma or it's like you know and then fighting families who are trying to look nice for the photo but are obviously like very dysfunctional and you're kind of looking into the life you you see a little too much I, because I would take at least 20 families pictures a day so very excellent I think we're pretty good for information I say let's uh 
Let's go ahead and see what our improvisers have. Let's give it up cool. for our improvisers. Help mommy tie this. Help mommy tie this. Okay, hold the spoon. Hold the spoon. Yes, this is a great moment. I'm so glad. Thank you for letting me capture this. Right now, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna try for mommy's vein this time? I mean, it's, it's pretty easy at this point. You can see the marks. Can we get McDonald's if I do? You get fucking McDonald's if you do it fucking right. Don't you call me dead, goddammit, and we're going to Cracker Barrel! Yeah, go to fucking Cracker Barrel! I'm sorry, I need my foot first. That was a great shot, that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, son, the mailbox was full today. It's like a lot of places are showing interest. I got a letter from MIT, KSU, uh, the University of Notre Dame, and about oh, 21 postcards from the backline improv. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Apply to this. To 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 an improv theater over MIT. <laughs> they just don't seem like they care about me. <laughs> I'll support you no matter what you want to do. Right? But. All right, so uh, let's see here. Looks like you're applying for a head business administrator. Um, let's see your credentials. Uh, graduate student at Backline Improv Theater. <laughs> they gave me a scholarship. <laughs> a scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I mean, is that a, is that a four years? What's the accreditation oh, uh, on that? One year. <laughs> one May. What, you, you, you finished a whole baccalaureate in one year? Backline laureate. <laughs> <laughs> Senator, you've got a great, a great track record. It's just this one scarring thing on here. <laughs> you see that you're a, did a little digging and found out you're a graduate of Backline Improv Theater in Omaha. No. We're gonna need to burn that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, apparently to get my physics major, I gotta go watch this presentation by this wheelchair guy. <laughs> Stephen Hawkins or something like that. Man, God damn, that sounds boring. I know, I, I could give a shit about some cripple. <laughs> Like, my, I had to go to a speech one time, and it was by, uh, fucking Barack Obama. Barack <laughs> Obama. <laughs> Something like that. All I know it was. My name is Barack Obama. <laughs>
appreciate your offer, but I, I'm taking like photos 40 hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> I will write you every day for a year. <laughs> oh. Well, my assistant will write you every day. I will dictate. I really see something in you. I mean, listen, you're, you're welcome to email me if you want, but I'm, I'm really busy, I got other things to attend to, I, I just, I, I don't know if I'll work it in the time. Would it help if I said it's not just your blonde hair that's making me have this feeling? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that does help actually. <laughs> now that I know that you respect me, Mind, <laughs> hair. I mean, I'm still real busy with those photos, but. Uh... Maybe we could co own a rocket ship one day. <laughs> <laughs>
that was very, uh, it's very interesting being able to just sit here behind the improvisers, isn't it? Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's like you get to watch the show, but like from an, uh, like an alternate universe type of thing, or like just the silhouettes of everyone. Or, you know, the, the back the, From the back. <laughs> I um, liked being on stage, but also not having to think. Yeah, That's it feels great. great. It's just great. being able to laugh at it. Uh, first of all, thank you. This crowd is really fun. Uh, for anybody who's only listening, um, kind of a small crowd, but you guys are really... Uh, <laughs> this crowd is great. Little small. Little small. They're really <laughs> short people. <laughs> uh, this is, again, our first time doing this. Uh, what you, uh, pretty, having a good time right now. You like it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of chatting. Uh, let's go into... Um, kind of the middle, uh, maybe somewhere in between after you had, you've been doing this for about three years now, right? Yes. Uh, what is the most, what is one of the most embarrassing improv stories that you might have? Either in a scene or maybe even just around improvisers. <sighs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I'm always... I still don't get embarrassed about a bad show. Uh, I think I, I'm the first to like tell students that I teach like, hey, if you have a bad show, don't worry about it because you'll never do that show again. Like that's the improviser's dream because you know, you'll never repeat the same show twice. Uh, but I take it so personally when I don't do well in a show and I will let it affect me until you do a good show. Until I do a good show. Yeah, <laughs> until I redeem myself. Um, I think one of the most embarrassing shows I had is I went really blue, um, which is like being crude or vulgar or whatever. And it was at a show of a lot of my family members who have never seen me perform again or perform before and <laughs> they did not come back <laughs> yeah yeah it was the first and last time they saw me um and the worst part about it is no, uh, none of them laughed it was I mean it was a painfully silent show uh was it mostly was it like a small crowd and they were like the majority of it or how do you know like they didn't laugh you just watched them. I watched them. I was listening for, I mean, the show in and of itself was very quiet. And it was, a, I mean, it was a crowd a little more than this. So it was just, I mean, even if they weren't there, it was a rougher show. And I took blame for that show because I think my scene partners were doing really well about like handling what I was saying. And I just wasn't, I wasn't dropping it, the thing that wasn't funny. And so on top of that, having family members there who I'm like, this is what I do. Like, <laughs> it really sucked. And, uh, and then the worst part after that, uh, when anyone does it, I'm sure every improviser has experienced this, where they had, or I guess stand-up too, where you have a really awful set, and then afterwards they're like, great show. You're just like, fuck you. <laughs> when, you know they, <laughs> when you know they didn't mean it. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like one of those like, yeah, your your uh, art is super cool. And so they think like every weekend you're just doing these really bad shows for. Mm -hmm. Or even worse, audiences. or even worse, those who still don't understand improv, thinking I'm doing that show every weekend. Yeah, like, <laughs> we've crafted this. Yeah, <laughs> this is I've a culmination so of five months. <laughs> 
here's this goldfish getting raped scene. Uh-huh. Well, and something else, too, is those, those people who also don't understand improv uh, sometimes don't understand that on stage you're doing a character, and you aren't necessarily that character or that character's choices. Uh, so they're, you're going off stage, think them thinking, like, oh, she's... She got kind of fucked up lately. Like, <laughs> something's she wrong. She definitely with her. hates women. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you. <laughs> Those are your characters. They're everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you. One of your big things, um, as a own personal belief, is reading the audience. You're very big into that. I am. Um, and you had just mentioned that show. You did not do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about. Your theory on that, like, what is what is that to you? What does that mean, reading the audience? The theory, or I guess what I think the theory of reading the audience is, it's kind of different because I do it in stand-up and then I do it in improv as well. In improv, it's kind of about what I had said before. I didn't drop a subject that wasn't getting laughs. It's you kind of see uh, sometimes improvisers panic on stage, where like, let's say for the sake of example, uh, our whole scene is about kittens. Uh, but Kittens isn't getting any sort of laugh or respond from the audience. Then you edit a scene, and the very next scene, Kittens is brought up again. <laughs> you know, what we should have learned is that no one in the audience thinks Kittens is funny, so let's find out what they do think is funny. Um, and the difference, so when I do stand-up then, too, like, uh, in, in my set, uh, one of my jokes is I talk about uh, my mom dying. And I do, <laughs> it's awful, but I do dead mom jokes. And the, I've learned that the crowd either <laughs> really thinks they're funny or is completely uncomfortable with them. And so it's one of those where it's like, I do kind of the tester joke, like, how are we feeling about this? And if there's no response, then we just move on. And it's kind of about just listening and how, how and also too, uh, with cell phones and stuff, I've been to enough open mics or regular uh, stand-up shows, like, look at your audience. Are they on their cell phones? Are they chatting at the bar? Are they... No one's yeah. on their cell phones, <laughs> but clearly the dead mom jokes are not killing, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, they've already killed. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and those are usually some pretty some pretty fun ones. It's nice that you were able to make light of your own. You know, you had to be able to laugh at the, the hardest moments of your life, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think especially, uh, you know, you play what you know. You take from life experiences. And I think, I forget who says it, but a life would be tragic if it wasn't funny. I read that on, like, word porn or something. It's not, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, without talking too much about the bad stuff, what's one of the happiest moments of your life? Like, what was one of the coolest days where it's like, this is, uh, this is so great, this is so wonderful, or fun? Um, I mean, it sounds super cheesy, but the fact that I'm in a place where I can have jobs that work around me being able to do comedy almost Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, I find joy in 
performing. That is when I'm the happiest. I feel like uh, you can kind of shed, shed a skin and either walk into and, you know, backline knowing I'm going to do a really fun improv show, playing with some of my best friends, or I can walk into a stand-up show and go, I know I have some funny jokes that I know people are going to laugh at. Like, so I guess, you know, it's not just one moment. It's just the fact that I can, I can be funny. Like, that is probably the most important thing in my life is just being able to be funny and I always say like my interest isn't necessarily in becoming famous or like I mean we've talked like I I eventually want to move away and go you know experience other theaters or experience other venues but my you know I don't necessarily want to be famous I just want to find new people to make laugh that's I mean, which that's is, what I want to do. Which is why you're moving to Lawrence, Kansas next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, now, as far as like doing uh, other things, having other hobbies and whatnot, um, you, I don't know if this is something you are uncomfortable talking about. We'll uh, find out. Well, uh, <laughs> we, we both smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> we do. Uh, even for a community of people that kind of do it, we, we do it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so much so that we did it right before the show. Yeah. Right? Uh, one thing I always love is I can't tell it on you. I feel like everyone's like, is this guy falling asleep as he's interviewing you? Uh, I feel like my eyes are just like down here. Uh, but you do a really good job at never showing it. Do you feel like that? Uh, I don't know. There's a paranoia. 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 (laughs) I get paranoid. I mean, anyone who smokes pot knows that they get paranoid and thinking like, oh, everybody knows. Um, Maybe it's because I smoke so much pot that I'm just uh, normal. (laughs) You do kind of reach that normal state where you're just like, this is my day-to-day life. (laughs) (laughs) This is me. Uh, No, not really. If anything, I mean... We kind of, so it does stay true that I do not smoke before an improv show, or at least... Most. We have one specific show. I was going to say, we do a two-person called Baked Potatoes, where that's our gimmick, where we get high before a show. Not just high, but super high. I mean, crazy high. Uh, And then perform with... Well, we've now kind of have a form, which is we do a mono scene, so we don't edit the scene, but we're as many characters as we can be, uh, which en- ends up getting confusing halfway through, or at least <laughs> super silly. Yeah. Uh, so that's really the only time I do that. Um, I guess I was kind of nervous before we did this, so I smoked more so to just like calm my nerves mm-hmm. and not be in my head so much. But yeah, I don't, even stand up really, I don't smoke before I go on stage just so I can feel like I know where my thoughts are coming from. What's uh, before we see some more scenes here? What's what's a time where you regretted smoking? <laughs> Probably now since you've called. <laughs> <laughs> a time I've regretted smoking. Um, you know, when I went to college, I would often smoke before class. And looking back on that, like, I paid for my schooling. I feel like I kind of wasted that. Like, I probably could have learned more at mm-hmm. school had I, like, taking it, taken it very seriously. Um, I, go, I didn't value Wayne State. <laughs> uh, and towards the end, felt bitter about being there. So I guess if I could go back, I think I would have stuck it out longer than I did. Mm-hmm. Great. 
Let's see some stuff from where. Right, just keep it. Right. Okay. So, we go ahead and get that. My parents are in the audience tonight, so. <laughs> <laughs>
approaching takeoff soon. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> I think specificity is what you need. So soon. Uh, we are approaching takeoff in a matter of minutes, four to be exact. Ah! <laughs> uh, this is a runway. You <laughs> can see! That was a little condescending. She's like half Siamese, half orange. It's half. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, really great. Is that like um, bolted into the wall? Uh, that's gonna have to come out of your security deposit. Well, you see it slides. And it shows a three-legged kitten. Dad, wait for after the show for the feedback. <laughs> you didn't turn off your phone. Jesus Christ. Hello? Son, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but your mother has passed. What? How? I'm so sorry. I've got to go. <laughs> hey, uh, sorry, we're, we're reading the audience, and we already discovered that dead mother jokes aren't working. <laughs> my mom, and I drew her eyes with X's on them. <laughs> Happy graduation, Jenny! Oh, made it! Uh, I just wish I'd taken school more seriously sometimes. Don't you? Yeah. I didn't go to class, like, most of the time. Oh. <laughs> Did you understand any 
So I got a letter from WSU. <laughs> Free kitten with a woman. WSU? Washington State College? <laughs> I don't think college is for me. Uh, welcome to uh, Washington State College. Here's your free wildcat. Careful, it will call your eyes out. <laughs> Thanks, but I'm undecided. Hey man, have you seen all the lynxes? I can't find them anywhere. Oh, we just, uh, we gave away the students. You gave away my lynxes! That's right. Lynx? What's the plural here? <laughs> what am I looking for? Lynxes. Yeah, lynxes. <laughs> Lynx, I, I don't know. <laughs> All I know is they weren't working, so we just let them go. Oh, no, no, yeah, I got your lynxes right here. Uh, See, so yeah, I found you on the site. So, uh, <laughs> this is a technology joke. <laughs> I'm missing a lot of cats here. Well, I'm free to hire if you want. It was a technology joke, okay? There's nothing after this bit. <laughs> All right, great. Ah, uh, good old late sis joke. Excellent. Um, let's just talk about Ethernet for a while. Uh, let's, uh, we're going to kind of wrap things up. I just want to mention some things here. Uh, there were some meta scenes there. Uh, you don't like to go meta very often. I don't know if that's true. I just don't go meta very often. You do like it, though. I yeah. I think every time I've done it, it's been not really on purpose. My proudest meta moment was during our. Uh, we did a baked potato show down in Des Moines, and you kept playing. So reading, going to reading our audience, you kept playing a mother who kept masturbating. Yeah. And, and the audience hated it. Oh, the audience, I mean, they would be roaring with laughter, and the minute you started playing this character, it was just silence. And so as a character, I finally addressed, I said, I don't think anyone in this room likes you. <laughs> and it got a huge laugh. Yes, and so it went on to go, I think everyone feels uncomfortable watching you, and I think you should leave. And then I made your character get hit by a truck, yeah. so it wouldn't come back. And we ended up killing off three characters. Yeah, we came a lot of, like, across a lot of characters that show where we were like, and... Done. Done, yeah. Um, just to uh, kind of wrap up on one more thing here. Uh, speaking of which, you do teach here at Backline. Um, you are definitely considered one of uh, Backline's finest players, one of Omaha's best improvisers, I Thank think. You. You're welcome. Uh, you, wh what are some advice you would give to some younger, uh, newer improvisers who maybe also doubt themselves or blame themselves uh, in scenes? Use it. I mean, I every time I blame myself for a bad show, it just made me want to have a good one that much more. I mean, I don't think you can really force someone. That's not true, because I was a little bit forced to take mm -hmm. improv and ended up liking it. But I think just, I don't know, it's all, it's all advice that I should think I should still take myself. You know, be confident in your choices. Like, 
this, I do it because it's fun and because I get people to laugh. So you really should, as from an improviser standpoint, um, folk, just focus on having fun. And the more you do, the better you get. It's truly something where it's great at Backline because everyone gets so much stage experience that it's just a kind of trial and error thing. I would just say stick with it. If it's something you want to do, stick with it. Nice. Uh, I have no idea when this is going to come out, so I don't really want to plug too many of your shows, but you do do stand-up around town. Uh, mm -hmm. Plenty of improv here at Backline. Uh, you are in the, the sketch group we have here live at Backline. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any other, any other projects that, you're, that you'd like to work on in the next year? Oh, mm. Lord. Um, right now, since I'm still so new at stand-up, a lot of my extra time is focused towards writing new jokes or coming up with new material and kind of working. I'd like to have a couple working sets that I can do. Right now I have, you know, a solid 10 and not much more than that. So I think uh, coming up, I want to be able to have you know, more jokes to pull from. I want to do, uh, yeah, I think just more stand-up, more improv. Uh, I stay away from sketch as far as writing. Uh, wise, but I kind of miss being in front of a camera every now and again. So maybe that. Anything else you'd like to share before we head out? Cut aids. Cut aids. next episode.